Corinthians chapter 4. This is actually a, uh, this is like one of the first messages I ever like fully put together uh, was from chapter 4. And it's kind of like the theme uh, chapter where we got our, there you go, vessels, our series vessels. And because it does, it kind of ties in together with everything going on in the book and um, is such a powerful image for us to see and to think about how God works in us and uses his gospel in our lives to uh, show off how powerful he is and how good he is and how, how glorious the good news of the gospel is. So let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for each person here. Um, Lord, we know that it's the, the struggle is real to get out the door and, and um, everything seems to fall apart on Sundays and uh, uh, all that warfare that, that happens. God, we thank you for each person that, that made it a priority to be here and we pray that you would uh, minister to them here in this place, God, that you would uh, speak, Lord, by your spirit, that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that you'd bring encouragement or uh, correction or whatever it is you want to do in this place, Lord, we want to just hear from you and have, um, I guess, uh, a touch from you, fresh touch, fresh um, encounter with you here this morning. So we thank you for uh, just this place to meet and um, for brothers and sisters that we can trust and and share and do life with, so to speak, and enjoy each other. So we pray that you would uh, just go before us in this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Actually, uh, ch- chapter 3 touched on uh, the old versus the new covenant. And the old covenant was the law, right? Given to Moses, and it was it was glorious, right? There was, it was, Moses came down and his face was glowing it, a veil it and, and, uh, the 10 commandments and, and all the law that went with it, it was glorious in its own right, but it was nothing in comparison to what was to come. And the old covenant was essential for the new covenant. The new covenant would be, uh, Jesus later coming and fulfilling all the law, but the old covenant killed the new covenant brought life. And the idea of it killing was it showed us that we were dead in our sins. We were dead in our trespasses. It it showed us that we were guilty. It, It made it very clear that there was something lacking in us and we couldn't do enough to get to God. We needed help. And that help came in Jesus. So, Old covenant, glorious, useful, um, God's plan, God's idea to bring us to the place where we were desperate. And we're like, well, what else can we do? Well, who could save us? Who and then Jesus comes in and fulfills that and becomes, brings the new covenant, which now gives us relationship with God. The walls have been torn down because Jesus conquered sin and death. Now there's no longer a separation between us and God. So he's saying the old covenant had glory. This nothing compared to the new covenant. What's interesting is the glory we can see in the old covenant was, it was really, it was visible, right? And and it was powerful and, and Moses up on the mountain and God speaking and then coming down and glowing and all these things. But the new covenant is even more amazing because it's something that is individually done in all of us and used. We are part of the new covenant. 
we get to live out that new covenant. So chapter four is kind of continuing on in that new covenant uh, life, how it works itself out in us. And so Paul, he's going to talk about himself, but yet it's all, it's going to be referenced in all of us anyway. So verse one, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Uh, what is this ministry? We are ministers of the new covenant. We are those who are witnesses and uh, those who have experienced the good news of the gospel. We're ministers of that. We are, are connecting helping to connect people with God through Jesus because we have been connected to God through Jesus. We have been, we first we've received it. Then we give it and give that's we're ministers of that. And it's something that we've received mercy and that we've received this ministry in a, in a sense, we are given this to do this. It's not of ourselves. We don't make ourselves do it. We are given it for a reason. We're given an opportunity and a calling that's huge. So we don't lose heart because God is calling us and God is directing us. Because we're going to see Paul's going to start getting into all this crazy stuff that he's had to endure. And, and, and it's going to get weird. It's going to get rocky. Things aren't always going to go exactly as planned. But it's God that calls you into it. And he's the one that will direct you through it. That's the good news. He's not going to leave us or forsake us. He's with us. So no matter what happens on this side of eternity, we have God with us. He'll never leave us. And he's got a calling for you and a directing in your life. So if you're lined up with that, you got to know God is with you. And he's doing something in that. Even if you can't see it, even if you can't, it doesn't make sense. And I think it's a calling for us to be those that never lose heart because we're those who are supposed to serve God, trusting him. And we should be those who always have hope because God, the one that we serve, who's calling us, is the one that can raise the dead, right? So is there anything that God can't do? If he can raise the dead, there's, is there anything he can't do? The answer is no, okay? There's nothing he can't do. He can do anything, right? And so he could feed 5,000 on a few fish and some loaves of bread. He could sustain million people wandering around the wilderness with manna. (laughs) There's nothing he can't do. So don't worry. He's called you. You've got to believe. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Even when things look bad, don't lose heart. Don't lose your hope. Because we're the ones that have that hope because we know he's with us. And he's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. Verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Um, He's saying, like, we're not, like, manipulating the gospel or the, the, the word. We're not taking it and twisting it up uh, to, to do whatever we want with it. We're giving you the truth because why? We're doing this in front of the sight of God. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how important it is to understand that our, our audience is God. Like people matter for sure, but the most important uh, person that's, that's watching us and, and is seeing how we live our lives, we live unto God. You can't live for people. If you live for people, it's going to twist you up and it's going to weird them out too, by the way, right? If, all you're, if you're living for people and you're making them into an idol, it's not good for them. 
Even your children, right? Because they, they seem like they want it, right? They're like, just make me the center of the universe. No problem, right? And then all of a sudden you have another kid and they're like, what's this about? What's that one? Who's that? You know, I thought I was the, you know, anyway, so you can go down that road. But we are called to look in, in the sight of God. That's the first person we're looking to please. So when we open up the Bible, when we share the message, we, we got to think about him first. And when we think about him first, we're actually aligning ourselves with God and making that message powerful. Because you know, a diluted message or a twisted message or a manipulated or crafty kind of mishandling of the word, it's not really powerful at all. Because you've said, I've decided I know more than, than God. <laughs> my, I, my message is more important than his. I, I, can, I can sauce this thing up for you, Lord, and make it work in, in our culture today. He's like, I don't need you to do that. I need you to be faithful. Just do what you've been called to do. Do what you're supposed to do. Anyway, so uh, Spurgeon, great quote on this. He says, certain divines tell us that they must adapt truth to the advance of the age, which means that they must murder it and fling its dead body to the dogs, which simply means that a popular lie shall take place of an offensive truth. I've used that quote before. A popular lie will take the place of an offensive truth. Like that, and that's what we can see when we are going to culture to tell us what we're supposed to think and what we're supposed to believe. We got to look to God. God, what do you want me to do? And sometimes, sometimes culture can reveal that your belief in God or you trusted in something that really wasn't something you should have been trusting in, right? Like in some of the old, you know, we could, in church history, there, there was this belief that the earth was flat. And I know this has come back around. There's nothing new under the sun, right? And some people made their stake and claim that the earth is flat. We know this. And, you know, but yet there's these, these images in scripture and uh, Job and of a sphere and like, uh, we shouldn't be doing this. Okay. We shouldn't be walking into things and making, being dogmatic about things that aren't really right. We don't know that for sure. But the main things that are clear in scripture that we know full well, we can't give those, those up because we don't think they fit or because we think that it might offend or whatever. Anyway, all of that stuff, by the way, don't be offensive to be offensive. Let the word be offensive. Let God be offensive. So you, you know, you've telling the truth and you're bringing it in a way that's loving, but is legit full on. No added anything, no cut anything. Bring it for what it is because our audience is God, right? We're doing this in sight in the sight of God. Keeps us where we need to be, right? And also, how stressful is it when you start revising the scripture and then you have to keep revising it? Could you imagine? Like, I have to, oh, now I have to rewrite the whole Bible. This is so stressful for me. And you're like, God's like, wow, I've made you so equipped for this. You're just so perfectly set to rewrite the whole, anyway. (laughs) Sarcasm? Can Okay, anyway. But to give it for what it is, here's the gospel. Here's the truth, the good news of the gospel. And, and I, I know even if this is offensive to you, it doesn't really matter because I'm just doing what God's called me to do. And the thing is, is that the thing that you think might be offensive might be the thing that sets people free. Because you're saying, 
mm, God, I don't know what you're doing. I can't trust what you're doing. This whole, a lot of this whole section is going to be about trusting God in the midst of things not looking so good. And, and believing that he's going to do something even though it doesn't look great. Even though it's not lining up according to your plan. Trusting him. Believing him. Letting him take you through it. As opposed to saying, alright God, you took a right turn and I distinctly told you to take a left. I'm taking the steering wheel. And he's like, this will go well. Did I tell you I was going to go left? No, I didn't say that. You wanted to go left. I'm going right because you don't even know what's best for you. And by the way, I have a plan for your life that will fulfill you, that will make you who you're supposed to be. Uh, You will be fulfilling the calling that I put on your life. Do you know each person in here has a calling? You have a calling. Each person. Every one of you has a calling. God has called you to something, to minister the gospel in some way. That's exciting, also terrifying, isn't it? Because we all experience not fulfilling the calling. And I'll tell you what it feels like when you're not fulfilling the calling. You feel lost. You feel like you, there's like a lack of peace. You feel like everything around you is good, but nothing's good at the same time. You have everything you want, but, but it's not meaning anything. It's not fulfilling you. You're, you're still, there's a, something missing in your life. And it's because you were created for more than to sit in the stands and watch. You were meant to participate. And that's good news. It is good news. We get to be part of it. And, and you get to see God move in your life. And it's going to get wild. But that's like what you were made for. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled for those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And we've talked a lot the last couple of weeks about uh, being deceived and how easy it is to be deceived and how you don't know when you've been deceived. And, and we see here that there was a veil. There is a veil. We talked about this last week too. Of those who can't see the gospel for what it is. They're blinded to it and they're perishing because of it. They, they're, they're slowly dying because they can't see it for what it is. And there's, there's a blind... And you could be really frustrated with people when you're talking to them who are blinded. You're like, can't you see it? Can't you see it? The answer is, no, I cannot see it. I'm blinded. I can't see it. It's not something that I can, I can see for myself right now. And, and man, if you look at the world we live in, it's pretty obvious, right? That there's, that there's a blinding. And you're like, how could somebody really think this way? But they can't because they're blind. They really can't see it. And for those who can see, it's so clear as day. It's so obvious. Right? But to those who are blinded, it's a whole other thing. But we get a little bit of insight into those who are blinded. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. The God of this age is Satan, right? Who do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel of glory uh, of Christ who is the image of God, should shine on them. The God of this age has blinded them because they don't believe. 
You know, it all kind of starts with unbelief, right? That's, that's where it all, I mean, you think about like even the children of Israel, can't, they can't go in the promised land. They're, it's unbelief. They don't believe God. They don't trust God. And when you start taking the Bible or you start taking the word of God and you start saying, I don't believe that part. I don't believe that part. I don't believe that part. The deception has started. The blindness has started. And it won't end. You're going to find yourself more and more blinded, but you won't know you're blind. This is, this is so scary, right? This is like, this is a scary place to be. And you want to know, um, why Paul has so much insight, I think, into this is because it was him. <laughs> Remember, he was looking at, at Jesus' followers and he was looking at Jesus and, and, he's, and he's willing to kill them. A man who wants to please God in his own way is killing his disciples one after another. Going through and picking them off. He's like, ah, the reason I know this is because I am this. I was this. I could not see it. And remember, there's something very figurative or is it figurative? I guess uh, where, where Paul literally goes blind after he sees Jesus, right? It's like he actually goes blind and then he goes and, and the scales fall off and he could see, and he's a new man. He's a new person. His, his life has been changed. G. Kemble Morgan said it like this. The God of this world is only able to blind the minds of the unbelieving refusal to believe is the secret and the reason of the blindness that happens to men. It's a refusal to believe what's, what's interesting is that, um, a lot of times we think the way to help people see is just to yell at them until they're not, they're not deaf, they're blind, okay? They're, they can't see. It's, they can, it's not that they can't hear, they just can't see. But, but where it really changes is, is on a deeply spiritual level. I actually just read this article yesterday, I think it was yesterday or the day before, about this man who lived in sin and... Um, for years and his uh his brother had married this woman and she was a down christian like super loved the lord big time and um but was a like just such a loving person and this guy went on and and continued to live a life in sin and like full full bore i mean everything you could imagine basically. And, uh, for 20 years. And he said, she, uh, never stopped loving me, never stopped treating me any different. Um, when we would meet up, I would talk about my sinful like lifestyle and she wouldn't really bat an eye. She'd talk about God and I, I deal with it cause I loved her. And, uh, but he said, she never really like like hardcore confronted me on a lot of stuff. I knew where she stood. Uh, but what she did was far more dangerous. She prayed for me for 20 years. <laughs> and he said, some 20 years later, I'm walking into reality LA and I walk out a born again, Christian. It had, everything had changed. And now he's this author and he writes, and now he's the one standing in the gap, uh, reaching out to other people who came from the same place he came from. God had changed his life in a miraculous way. But the reason it had been changed was not because just get it together, man. 
Don't you, can't you see it? It's like, you can't see it. There's something spiritually gnarly that's happened, but God can do something there. We're part of that. So when you think about someone, a loved one, or maybe not even a loved one, maybe they're, they're so blind, they've like burned a lot of bridges and you're just going to pray for them out of obedience. I think God is cool with that too, by the way. Pray that their eyes are opened to see. See what I'm saying? Like, like they can't see it. it. We need something spiritual. We know the weapons of our, of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual. Yet we, we like no carnal things, right? Oh, no, no. That guy's not going to come over here. Let's settle this like a man. You know, and you're like, what? Is that how that works? Dude, you walked into sin. I'm going to beat you up, man. You know, like what in the world? Yeah, that's going to work. Yeah, to the flesh and the flesh, that should help, right? This is definitely going to draw them closer to Jesus. But we pray for those who blinded, because Christ can give them light to see again. Lest the, do you see at the end of verse 4? Lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. If they, if they come to that place, it'll shine on them. His, his gospel will shine on them, can bring them light, and they could see this. Again, Paul was this man. Think about that, that testimony, too. That guy. The, he said, the most dangerous thing she could do was pray for me for 20 years. By the way, you don't even have to tell someone you're praying for him. Because it's actually, it's God doing it. I'd say even if you are, you can tell them you're praying for him. But sometimes there's something about, like, not even telling them. And really trusting God. It's kind of like going into your closet when you pray and not telling anyone you're praying for something. There's the story of Hudson Taylor when he was, had run out of provisions just praying and not telling anyone. And all of a sudden, the money starts coming in. Because he's like, I could probably tell people and they'd get manipulative. And, you know, could, God could use that. But it could also be me. And I'd rather it not be me at all. And then I'm blown away on how good God is. And, and I don't think he needs me to to um, be crafty or to twist up. You trust God in that. That's a lot harder to do, but the rewards are so much better. Verse five, for, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord and ourselves, your bond servants for Jesus sake. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus. This should tell you uh, everything you need to know about the preacher. Not just someone in the pulpit, but like the person who's preaching Jesus. Is, was it, it's, are you preaching yourself or are you preaching Jesus? And I like think about that. Like, what are you doing? Are you preaching yourself? Are you preaching Jesus? If you're the hero of every story, you're preaching yourself. If you're flawed and messed up, preaching Jesus. And that is what has the power to save. And that, that's what happens when you believe it, when you actually believe it, that he is who he said he is. You preach him. If you don't believe he is who he said he is, then you kind of do a little shortcut thing and, and you kind of, you know, get yourself out there. Cause you know, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die, but we don't believe like that. Cause we believe that Jesus can save many of you are those people, right? Maybe you're the people that someone was praying for for a long time. And you're like, yeah, I was that person. 
and you remember blindness, especially if you remember it, especially if it's like really clear to you, pray for someone. Understand where they're at and love on them. Give them Jesus. Uh, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Here's our hope. It's God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. He can do it. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He wants us to participate in this. To have a place in this. How does he show this glory? Verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Remember when I first, I gave this message at the Bible college. And I got to do it in front of the whole school, uh, on a chapel or whatever. uh, Not chapel, whatever. Devotions in the morning. And I used... um, one of my favorite things at the time, and I've probably referenced it before here, uh, but I loved infomercials. I still do. I still think they're great. I don't watch TV as much as I used to, but I love infomercials. I really love them when they go wrong. That's one of my favorite things. When they're like, look at the horse, and it's a butterfly. Anyway, actually, it might be a moth. You could watch them. There's some really funny QVC where they look at this sword is solid, and he taps and it stabs him. You know, it pops off or something. Doesn't really. He's not like gonna die. So don't think. Or the, the ladder. Look how sturdy the ladder is, and the guy falls off the ladder, and you're like, okay. These are. It's just because they're still trying to spin it as so positive. Like that's exactly what should happen. You know, like. And then you pop up. This ladder's so good. When you fall off, you the painting's already done or whatever. I don't know, but um. But I loved. I always loved watching them. And so I bring it up again because I think it, it goes well with the point, right? And especially when it's a carpet cleaning thing, it was, let's, you know, oh, no, you just dumped a gallon of grape juice on the ground. You, of course you did, right? You dumped grape juice all over the ground and, oh, man, you dropped your pizza and then accidentally stepped in it, you know? Uh, great. Uh-oh, here comes Fido, you know, and then he takes care of the rest, Right. And you're like, this carpet's ruined, you know? And so then they come through and they bring out the, the big gun vacuum. And it's like, this kind of vacuum has the suction that can actually use in an aircraft to pull, you know, bad aliens out of space. You know, and you're like, well, okay, sounds like space age technology, you know? And, shh, and the next thing you know, you see the stain coming out of the carpet and you're like, I got to have this thing. That kind of stuff happens to me all the time where I'm, Dropping a pitcher of grape juice and then stomping pizza into it. And then having a dog soil the rest. Yeah, and, and so you watch it and you go, man, this stuff is great. And the way the infomercial works uh, is to show you a very extreme case to show how powerful this thing really is. You get the knife and they're like, it can chop rope, you know, this knife can cut through an anvil, you know, it's like, okay, great. That's incredible. You know, need a, you need to get through a concrete block, no problem, but it's still sharp enough to slice a tomato paper thin. And you're like, this is incredible. But it's to show extreme cases, extreme things so that you can see that this, this is really a, quite a product. I can't believe it can do all those things. 
Well, we look at the list here, and this is a bit of an infomercial for God, I guess you could say, right? That we have these earthen vessels, and, and earthen vessels are pretty much what they sound like. They're jars of clay, right? Made of, you know, like mixed up clay, and it's like a red pot right there. You know, let's see how strong it is. You know, it's not strong. I've stepped on these and they break really easily. Um, I accidentally tapped one and it broke the other day. It's crazy. But you, you, God has put this treasure and the treasure is the glory of the gospel in earthen vessels. And that's us. We're this fragile, breakable, you know, in and of ourselves, basically just dust, dirt, like where there's really nothing to it. As soon as it breaks, it's done. What is it good for? You know, if you shatter a clay pot, you're not like, oh, I'm going to save that. I'm going to fix it. If you, if you are saving it, I, I got to be honest with you, brother and sister, you've got hoarder tendencies and you've got to get rid of that thing. Okay. Because it's a broken clay pot and they're like $1. Anyway, um, they're probably more than that. Not that one. That one's probably more. Who knows? Anyway, but you get the idea that, that it is not a strong vessel in and of itself, but yet th- this, this power has been given to us, this excellence of the good news of the gospel, so that the whole world would know there's no way that this is what's strong. There must be something inside of that that's changed it's, it, it made it what it is. And then he's going to go down the list. And this is Paul's experience, by the way. For we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. And this is hard pressed, pressured, uh, even has like a, um, like a, uh, kind of can mean hunted. Paul was hunted. We know he was hunted, right? There was all these guys who had made a vow to kill him. We won't eat until we kill Paul. Of course, they did eat again, right? And Paul didn't die. Anyway, that was an axe. But he's, he's like saying we're hard-pressed on every side. Like, like things are closing in around us, yet we're not crushed. God could take us through a very hard situation where it seems like the whole world is against us. And yet, we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Whereas like, we're like lamb, sheep before the slaughter, yet we're more than conquerors in him. He can take us through this. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Perplexed, it's like earthly confusion. Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand what's going on. That's okay. You can say that. There's nothing wrong with that. Saying, God, I don't know what's going on right now. But we're not in despair because we know that he does know what's going on. And that he hasn't left us and that he's with us, right? And as soon as you kind of get your eyes off of this, you start going into that unbelief section, right? So God, even though I can't see it right now, even though I can't control it like I'd like to, even though things aren't in my hands like I want them to be, I'm not going to despair because you're with me and you have a plan and you've called me to go into a season that I would not have picked on my own, but you see value in this. Verse 9, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Did Paul know about persecution? Oh, yeah. Did anybody, like, besides Jesus, I mean, how many people suffered more than Paul? I mean, he went through so much. He was persecuted beyond belief. He's persecuted by the, his own Christians. 
That, he's writing to them. You guys persecuted me. Persecuted, but not forsaken, meaning God has not forgotten me. I'm not alone. Maybe if that's the, if maybe that's the word for today that you got to remember. I'm not alone. He's with me. I'm not alone. Persecuted, not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I've been struck down. But remember Paul, they thought he was dead. They stoned him and thought he was dead. And he just pops right back up and he's like, I'm going to go preach some more. Full on zombie apocalypse, you know, Paul's coming in. Always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus sake, that the, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Here's the short of that. Going through stuff while continuing to trust Jesus makes us more like him. It's, it's, it simply makes us more like Jesus. It, and it makes his, manif- his life manifest for the whole world to see. When you can trust Jesus through hard situations and through struggle. I mean, this, this is taking up your cross and following him and seeing him lead you through and guide you through. And remember, it's not just the suffering. It's trusting him through the suffering. Because there's going to be times, especially in suffering, where you go, I'm out. Give me some anesthetic. I want to numb out. I don't want to think about this anymore. I'm done. But he says, trust me through this, and I will make this worthwhile in your life. We can't, we don't know the seasons God brings into our life. And, and you pray for easy ones. You pray that it's, that it's, it, he's merciful and gracious in the way even we all will endure some of this at some point or another. But in the midst of these seasons is what he's going to do the most work in your heart, in your life. And the world will see it. People around you will see it. There will be a message that will be preached without you saying a word because it's manifested in your life. So don't be surprised that those seasons of mourning can be used for seasons of joy. Remember, Paul said at the very beginning of this book, the comfort that I've comforted, that I've been comforted with, I can comfort others. You comfort one another with what you've been comforted with, with what you've experienced. You have something to give to a world that has nothing to give. And it's kind of like running to the end of the rope and going, uh, uh oh, there's nothing here. I, I have all these things. Or if you're a minimalist, I have getting, gotten rid of all of these things. <laughs> And yet I'm still empty. Yeah, of course, you got rid of everything, you know. Your apartment literally has a mat on the ground, you know. Get rid of that. You'll be happy. Don't sleep. Don't do it anyway, whatever. So it's not about the stuff one way or the other, really. It's about you. Like, if you think that something's going to fulfill you, it won't. It just won't. It's got to be Jesus. So he said, then death is worth working in us, but life in you. Remember that the Corinthians actually like kind of question Paul because they're like, is he really following God? Cause his life seems really hard. Kind of seems like he's against God, you know, kind of seems like maybe he messed up somewhere and, and you know, God's like punishing him all the time, you know, 
He's like saying, so death is working in us, which by the way, the life of Paul very much aligns with the life of Jesus, doesn't it? But life in you, you guys have life. He says, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise up uh, with Jesus and will uh, raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Like we'll, we'll be high enough to be able to hang out with you guys too through all of this. It's kind of a little bit of sarcasm in there. But the fact of the matter remains that Jesus will, will raise us up out of these bad, hard times and will bring us to that place where we need to be. For all these things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. All these things that I've endured are for your sakes. All the things that have gone on in my life affect you. So think about that in our church context, right? This is our church family. The things that you've gone through affect the people around you. And it can be to a great benefit. We can benefit one another and it can cause thanksgiving and glory to God because we can share this grace with one another and be able to, 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 Bless, love, encourage, keep one another in, in seasons that are hard, that are difficult. When you go through something, to have somebody there that can sit beside you and understands what it feels like to go through something. In seasons of joy, you have someone there to sit beside you and tell you that was awesome. You know? Like, I, I love, like... Softball, like my, it's fun to. My two favorite things to do is to throw someone out and to hit a home run. Those are like the funnest things, right? No, the funnest thing is winning, but those are the two things. And I love, I like, I like doing those things, you know. But I've noticed I've done them before when Tori's not there, and it's not even close to as fun. Like I, I want her there. Like I want her to. I want to enjoy that with her. Yeah, I want to be like. Did you see that? I got one, you know? And so you can go home and you'll be like, what happened? Oh, I did this and they did that. Cool. Good job, babe. You know, wish you were there. You know, like I wanted to experience this with you because it, it means something to experience, to be able to, to do that. And then also like when you're struggling or, or, or you, you need, you want someone there with you to help you. You might not even want it, but you need it. It's greatly to your benefit. So you being wherever you're at right now, maybe on the high side of life, the low side, good, bad, whatever, what you're going through is, is important to those around you. And this is why community is important. Where none of us are on an island or, or, and we don't live in a vacuum. The way we live our life, the things we experience affect those around us. The things that take place. There's going to be great times. There's going to be hard times. But we can love each other and pray each other through both of them. Encourage each other through both of them. So good job being part of community. That's awesome. You're in it right now. By the way, isn't it nice to have people praying for you when you need it? If you are, and by the way, if you don't, if you're like a little nervous about, I don't know if I want this pray, prayed for, then you got to ask yourself, do I care more about what man says or God? Like get, get prayer, <laughs> put a car, put it in the card. 
put it on a card. Like, we'll pray for it. Or grab someone. That's probably even better. Grab someone and say, can you pray for me? Because I believe in prayer and I believe in God. And I don't want unbelief to start limiting my life down. And then make it so I start missing out on stuff. And I stop believing this. And I start trust, stop trusting here and this and that. So there's a lot of things here. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. I've said this a lot, right? This actually is top 100, okay? No, it's higher than that. But I love this chapter because it, it, it just shows we're frail, we're weak, God is powerful, God is good. Things come and he shows how strong he is. And by the way, we need to know how strong he is in those things, Paul would not have been able to talk about this if he had not experienced this. Can I tell you how good God is? Can I tell you how good at sustaining and how faithful God is? Well, because I experienced it. I've been through it. I know it. What's the, one of the things, you know, when you go through something, you ask somebody has been through it. Ladies, are you having a baby? What is having a baby like? You're going to ask a mom, right? Maybe you don't want to ask. I don't know, you know? But you can ask them and see, what have you been through? You've been through this. Help me. But the good news is, it's all about Jesus. The excellence that he has put in us. The good news of the gospel. The glory that he's waiting to reveal in us. It's not about us because we're weak. We're earthen vessels. We don't have to be strong. We just have to have him. You just need him. And so it's the first of the month. Literally, September 1st. Is that insane? It's September. So we're going to do communion. We're going to have a time where we can come before the Lord this morning. And we are going to be able to come before him and say, thank you again for what you did on the cross. Like, I'm coming before you fresh and anew. Lord, take away any of my unbelief, any of my doubts. Help me to trust you more. Help me to allow you to do more in my life and to believe what you're doing and and to, to know that you are with me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. And the seasons we're going through is but a season if... Even if it's the rest of our life here on earth, that's but a season. The relationship that we have with him is eternal. So we can be able to come before the cross again and, and, and meet with him here in this place. So we'll have the communion come up and, and, uh, and then uh, the worship team and we'll sing a song. Uh, and you can just take your, the, the bread and the cup representing the, the, the body and the blood of Jesus Take it back to your seat and just spend some time. You could, you know, just pour out your heart before the Lord and and come to that place where you recognize and be real with where you're at. Allow him to minister in that way. God, we thank you so much for...